Good evening. Good to see everybody that's here, and good to have those of you who are joining with us uh, online there, whether you're on Facebook or Twitter at HBC Tullahoma, uh, YouTube is Highland Baptist Tullahoma. All you got to do is plug those into the search there with a the Facebook or YouTube uh, at the end, and it'll, it'll find us there automatically. Uh, you can also catch us on our phone live streaming. Uh, just call the church office. We'll be glad to give that number to you, 931-455-0645. Uh, is our church office number. And then also, just as uh, we haven't put this yet in the bulletin or anything or in our newsletter, we hope to do that soon, uh, but we do have a podcast. On, if you do Apple Podcast, uh, on your, if you have an Apple phone, iPhone, uh, you can listen to us on there uh, at any time also. You just search for Highland Baptist Tullahoma, uh, and it'll also come up there. Uh, I want to encourage you to go to our church website at highlandbaptistchurch.com. Uh, it's under the info tab, just a couple of tabs over. Uh, click on that, and it'll drop down. It'll show you our worship bulletin uh, for today, so I encourage you to take the time to get that downloaded uh, with all the upcoming events that we've got, a lot of things that are upcoming. Uh, and then also we've got uh, children's worship bulletins that are linked under there. Those are printed in person over here to my right, so be sure to grab uh, one of those. And then also under that same link, you'll find the prayer list, so you can download that and be praying through those who are on our prayer list. While you're there on the church website, you can go to uh, the far right-hand side, click the Give Online tab. You can do your online giving there. Uh, you can do that in person also, or you can do it in the envelopes. These are just our regular envelopes, but then we've also got uh, the Golden Offering for Tennessee Missions envelopes. There are a few of those around still in the windows uh, and at the table, so grab some of those. If you haven't given your offering uh, to do it in that, that just helps to distinguish it a little easier uh, from your regular offering. If you put it in this, just be sure to, to designate that on the outside for how you need that split up, and if you're doing a check also, you can do that. On the website, you can uh, designate that also. One thing I forgot to mention this morning, uh, just to remind our crowd here as well as those online, is we are... Uh, we will be having our trunk or treat at the end of this month. Uh, it's hard to believe it's the end of this month, October already. Uh, but we do have sign-up sheets on the board uh, out here in the hallway. If you want to uh, put together a vehicle uh, to, to decorate, we'll be glad to help you. We've got decorations that we can help with that. Uh, we're going to be collecting candy all this month for that. So uh, if you want to help with doing a vehicle, there's a list, a separate list for that. There's also a separate list for that night if you want to help with serving food, uh, help us with uh, traffic control, any of those kinds of things, uh, there's a separate list there. Just note on it what you want to help with. Uh, some have already signed up that they want to help with food and, and those kind of things, but uh, feel free to uh, go ahead and get signed up on that as soon as possible. That'll just let us know what needs we still have to make sure all our bases uh, are covered for that. Uh, it's a great event that we do uh, each year. That will be October the 31st as kids are trick-or-treating through the neighborhood that will be doing that. <clears throat> so that'll be uh, from 5 o'clock till about, or 5.30 till about 7 o'clock, somewhere there. So just as a reminder of that, be sure to sign up. Brother Mike, if you'll come and lead us. Take your hymnals and turn to 290. I am thine, O Lord. 290. I am thine, O Lord, I have heard thy voice and it told thy love to me. But I long to rise in the arms of faith and be closer drawn to Draw me nearer, nearer, blessed Lord, to the cross where thou hast died. Draw me nearer, 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 blessed Lord, to thy precious bleeding side. Consecrate me now to thy service, Lord, by the power of divine. Let my soul look up with a steadfast hope, and my will be lost in thine. Draw me nearer, nearer, blessed Lord, to the cross where thou hast died. Draw me nearer, 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 blessed Lord, to the 
thy precious bleeding side. Oh, the pure delight of a single hour that before thy throne I spend. When I kneel in prayer and with thee, my God, I commune as friend with friend. Draw me never nearer, blessed Lord, to the cross where thou hast died. Draw me never nearer, nearer, blessed Lord, to thy precious bleeding side. There are depths of love that I cannot know till I cross the narrow sea. There are heights of joy that I may not reach till I rest in peace with thee. Draw me never nearer, blessed Lord, to the cross where thou hast died. Draw me nearer, 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 blessed Lord, to thy precious bleeding side. Amen. And tonight, I wanted to do something just a little bit different before... Uh, the message I wanted to share with you another video from our Golden Offering for Tennessee Missions as well uh, as to share with you a song that they put together for our t Golden Offering also. Uh, this video and this ministry is in Memphis and it's an, a it's an outreach to uh, Afghan refugees and so we want to hear the testimony uh, of this gentleman uh, who has uh, been in a Afghanistan and is now in Memphis being used by God there to reach lost people. I never forgot when I was sitting on the balcony at the hotel, the high buildings hotel, and I look down at the Kaaba and I see thousands and thousands of people go around and entering there and then, and I ask God, why you are so angry with me? Why I didn't receive that peace that my friend explained it to me? Why I did everything what Shia Islam is required and I do repent my sin. Why you are so far away from me? I was crying, fighting with God on the way to Medina the next day. A strange man, he came to me and he said, where do you, where you come from? I was very upset with him because for every Haji, like we call Haji, like people go to Mecca. Everyone knows that they came from Mecca because they shave their head and they, their clothes is different, everything is different. And I was very upset. I said, you don't have eye to see? We came from Mecca, like I'm Haji. And then he began to share his testimony and he shared that how he received Christ. And I was like mocking on him. And I, I was very upset with him when he shared this. But because I promised with him to not share it to anyone, I don't want to broke my promise. And then in the end of our conversation, he asked me to pray for me. When he pray, I listen. And he seems that he knew my problem. He knew that what happened yesterday. He, it seems that he knew that I'm fighting with God. And it was like so touching the way he prayed. He gave me a, um, a New Testament uh, in Arabic. And he said, read this, and then I keep it. On 2007, I went back to Afghanistan. Every day we start like Bible study and Quran, comparing Bible and Quran. And we study Bible not to become Christian. We study Bible to find out which part they change. And I invite my best friend with us to read the Bible. He betrayed me. And then the policemen, they came and searched me and find the Bible. They take me, took me to the mosque and they start like I began to argue with them, and then they said, oh, you proof that you're a Christian now. And they start beating me whilst I'm still Muslim. And after, after they start beating me, I become unconscious, and then actually they beat me to the point of death. And God saved me from that.
Then on Christmas Day, I went to church and I slapped pastor because I was very upset. I said, that's because this, this pastor wants Azara people to convert. You know, I never forgot. He stand on the stair up and I wasn't down. And he looked at me and say, Latif, we love you. And we love you, God loves you. And next day he invited me for lunch and he gave me lunch and he bought me clothes, he bought me shoes. And again, he prayed for me. And I asked myself that, why? Why this man is doing that? And I sit down there and I began to cry again. <laughs> and I said, Jesus, from tonight, from this moment that you are my Lord and Savior. And I received Christ there and I cry and cry and then I, and I began to repent. Say sorry to pastor, say sorry to my friends, say sorry to all of them. Like, and, and on that night, everything changed for me. And now today, he's a church planter here in Memphis, working together with Tennessee Baptist. What we have to recognize is that their church is not going to look like our churches, but it's going to be a New Testament church. He came here to do what he does every Saturday and every Tuesday, and that's broadcasting the gospel to the, the remotest areas of Afghanistan and Iran and Pakistan. As Tennessee Baptists give through the golden offering for Tennessee missions, it gives us the opportunity to reach the nations in Tennessee as well as reaching the nations from Tennessee. And I, I really want to share the love of Christ with them. Jesus is too real to me and to everyone who received Christ, and His scripture is true. The Word of God is true. Why should I not sharing this?
soon the earth will melt away, dissolving all its sin cursed things. Jesus, Prince of Peace, you'll reign in your new Jerusalem. You'll declare from heaven's throne to every tribe and hope that does uh, maybe inspire you about giving to the Golden Offering for Tennessee Missions. Uh, what an awesome work there uh, through the ministry to Afghan refugees there in Memphis that is not just reaching those in Memphis, but is then also going back around the world uh, as he is sharing uh, the gospel there uh, by um, computer as well as many other means there. So praise the Lord for that. We'll take your Bibles tonight and turn to John chapter 10, John chapter 10, verse 27 through verse 29. We're just going to begin with verse 27 uh, right now uh, as we go through these verses. I've entitled this message tonight, Once Saved, Always Saved. And uh, for some, that raises some antennas. Once saved, always saved. That can be a controversial uh, subject. And so we're going to look at that from God's Word in this passage tonight to give us some reassurance uh, about our salvation. So let's stand as we read God's Word in honor of His Word. John chapter 10, verse 27. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we want to thank you so much, Lord, for Latif and his ministry there in Memphis and also around the world to Afghans uh, who are in Afghanistan as well as refugees there in Memphis. And Father, we just thank you for the wonderful privilege you give us as Tennessee Baptists to be a part of that work that as we give to the Golden Offering for Tennessee Missions, it will support that work as well as many other uh, works around our state and mission opportunities uh, that have ramifications of reaching all around the world. And so we just pray, God, for your special blessings upon him and his ministry uh, and on our Golden Offering for Tennessee Missions that we are taking here through our church. Help us, Lord, in reaching uh, that goal uh, that we have set before us. And so, Father, we pray that you would uh, also be with us tonight as we look at this passage. May you speak to us uh, in a powerful way through the truth of your word. Father, I pray that as we look at this subject of once saved, always saved, help us to uh, realize the truth from your word, uh, not to try to impose our own thoughts uh, onto the passage, but to glean from it what do you say uh, to us and what is very plainly and clearly spoken in your word there. And so, Father, we just pray that uh, you will bless your word tonight, give us the application for our lives, for those who are believers, and we especially pray for those, Lord, who have never trusted by faith in Jesus, Lord, that they would hear this message and know that you love them and that you care for them and that you sent your only begotten son, Jesus, to die on the cross for their sins and to be resurrected from the grave to give them eternal life. So bless this message tonight. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You can be seated. I came across this story, and I just had to share this story uh, as I thought about the title and the subject we're looking at tonight. There was this man who lived in a small southern town, and uh, he had gone for 20 years uh, of shaving himself every morning. 
and he had decided he had had enough, so he told his wife he wanted to go down to the barber shop, the local barber, uh, for one, just for once and get shaved himself. And so he put on his hat, he put on his coat, he went to the barber shop, which was owned by the pastor of the local Baptist church there. And, uh, the barber's wife, whose name was Grace, uh, was working that day, and uh, so she was the one that shaved him. And after she shaved him, she said, that'll be $20. And he thought, man, that's an extremely high price. But he thought, well, since she's the pastor's wife, he must be okay. So he paid the bill and he went on to work. Well, the next morning, he looked in the mirror and to his amazement, his face was just as smooth as it had been when he left that barber shop the day before. And he thought to himself, he said, I have to admit, that's not too bad of a shave. At least I don't need to, to get a shave every day. And so the next morning, uh, his face was still smooth, and the next morning after that, and the next one after that, and two weeks later, uh, that man, he still couldn't find any trace of, of, of any whiskers on his face at all. Uh, there was no beard whatsoever, and he couldn't believe it. Uh, and so he returned to the barber shop, and there was the pastor's wife who had shaved him, and he said, Grace, he said, I come to apologize. He said, I thought $20 was awfully high for a shave, but this is incredible. It's been two weeks, and my beard still hasn't started growing back. She didn't change the expression on her face when she replied. She said, you shouldn't be surprised. You were shaved by grace, and once shaved, always shaved. <laughs> There's this doctrine that we're looking at tonight here that we do hold near and dear to our hearts as Baptists. It's this doctrine of eternal security, uh, which simply says, once saved, always saved. Now, there are very few subjects that have created much uh, more disagreement in the body of Christ than this issue of eternal security. Because simply put, the question is this. Once a person has been born again into the family of God, once you've received the new life in Christ Jesus, you've become a, a new creature in Christ, you've received a new nature, you've been justified, you've been sealed by the Holy Spirit, can that individual ever become unsaved by sinning or by ceasing to believe or by any other cause? Now, there are a lot of Christians, and not just Baptists, who wrestle with that question, uh, who, who should be living in the knowledge and, and with the peace that once a person is truly saved, and there are caveats there, that's why we said truly saved, they are always saved. And so I hope that this message it will give you some theology that will bring peace to your, to your heart and to your mind as a child of God that once you're saved as a, as a Christian, uh, you've trusted in Jesus as your Lord and your Savior, there is nothing that can undo you becoming a child of God. And so in John 10, verse 27 down through verse 29, Jesus tackles this question head on. It's interesting that just as we saw this morning, it's in the context of, of what we saw this morning where he uses the analogy of a shepherd and, and his sheep to illustrate this principle of eternal security. That's kind of interesting that he would use that kind of an illustration. So if you'll remember the following three statements, if you'll remember these three statements, it'll help for you to clarify this in your mind. First of all, the shepherd is solely responsible for the salvation of the sheep. The sheep don't save themselves. Secondly, the shepherd is solely responsible for the safety of the sheep. And then thirdly, the shepherd is solely responsible for the security of the sheep. So if you want to know whether or not uh, you're saved and eternally safe, you really have to ask yourself a few questions. Here's one of those questions that you need to ask yourself. Are you a saved sheep? In other words, are you truly saved? Because if you're truly saved, if you have truly surrendered and, and given your heart and life to Jesus Christ, uh, one of the things we're going to see is that there ought to be demonstrated in your life a change from the old nature to a new nature, from the way you used to live to the way now that God's Word says that you ought to live for Jesus Christ. And if that change has not happened, if there's no change there in your life, uh, then, then there, there's some serious questions that you need to be asking yourself. So Jesus here in verse 27 is talking about people he calls my sheep. Read with me that verse again. He says, my sheep 
hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. Now understand this about eternal security. Eternal security is only for God's true sheep. Not everyone who says with their lips that they're a sheep is a sheep. In other words, not everyone who says that they're a Christian with their lips is a Christian. Because you can say a lot of things with your lips and your heart be far from God. And so not everybody who's covered with white wool is even a sheep. In fact, in Matthew chapter 7 and verse 15, Jesus talked about false prophets. And here's the way he described them. He said, beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravenous wolves. So in other words, he's saying, on the outside when they come to you, they might look like a sheep. They've got the white wool clothing on. Uh, they look like a sheep, but they are far from it because inside there, there's a big difference in their life than what a Christian is to be. So if you want to ask whether or not you're a true sheep, really give yourself a threefold uh, test. First of all, do you listen to the shepherd? Do you listen to the shepherd? Because what did Jesus say in the beginning of verse 27? He says, my sheep hear my voice. So true sheep listen and can hear the voice of the good shepherd named Jesus. Uh, there was a man who walked into a china shop to purchase some glasses and he said, uh, I want to buy all your glasses that are pitched to the key of A. Well, the shopkeeper's like, uh, he's baffled. He says, how am I supposed to know uh, which ones they are? And so the man, he pulls out a tuning fork and he strikes it and immediately every one of the glasses that are pitched to the key of A begin to vibrate. Here's the point of that. If you're a true bona fide child of God, it's almost like your heart is in pitch with the voice of the Lord Jesus Christ. You, you don't listen primarily to anybody else but, but God. Uh, you listen to Jesus and Jesus only. You recognize his voice. You realize his voice. You respond to his voice because you're spending time in his word. Furthermore, true sheep are linked to the shepherd. Because notice Jesus says, he also says, and I know them. I know them. The people who know Jesus and who are known by Jesus are linked by faith to Jesus. And so they know that he is who he said he is and did what he said he did. John said this when he wrote his letter, uh, 1 John chapter 5 and verse 11 and verse 12. He said, and this is the testimony that God gave us eternal life and this life is in his son. And then he says this in verse 12, whoever has the son has life. Whoever does not have the son of God does not have life. Now, now, there's a very real danger that we can get into sometimes is we want to look at other people and try to determine whether that person's a Christian or not. And there are some things that we can do. We can see the fruit in a person's life, whether that person's fruit is producing fruit that is conducive to being in a relationship with Jesus Christ. But ultimately, I cannot know that person's heart. Only God knows that person's heart. Could they be a Christian who has backslidden? Uh, could they be someone who has drifted off the path uh, in following Christ and needs to come back in repentance to him? That's a possibility. But he says here, whoever has the Son has life. If you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you're going to know that. As you begin to examine your hearts, you begin to examine our life. We, we talk about the Lord's Supper. Uh, every time we take of the Lord's Supper, we're reminded of Paul's words uh, to examine ourselves before we take of the Supper, lest we take of it in vain. That's what he's talking about, examining your relationship with Jesus Christ. First, to make sure you have that relationship. And then secondly, is that relationship, if you have it, is it in, in fellowship with him? Or, or is there sin that needs to be confessed and get right with God before you partake of that supper? And so he also says, though, whoever does not have the Son of God, he doesn't have life. He doesn't have life. And so Jesus also went on to say this in John chapter 10 and verse 14. He said, I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. You see, it's one thing to know about the shepherd. It's another thing to know the shepherd. 
It's one thing to know about Jesus here and to know about the gospel here and to know about the Bible here. It's a totally entirely um, more depth and, and inward change in our hearts when we know him in our hearts. You can know how to be saved without being saved because you're not saved by the plan of salvation. You're saved by the man of salvation. You're saved by Jesus Christ. But not only is the shepherd known by the sheep, but the sheep are known by the shepherd. You, so you see, if you want to know whether or not you're a sheep, uh, let me ask you this question. Does the shepherd know you? And you can know someone without really knowing someone. There are people that, that we know that when we see them, uh, we, we really don't know them. Uh, I can tell you, I know my wife, I know my children, but there are others who I, I know them, but I don't really know them. In Matthew chapter 7, in verse 23, Jesus talked about certain people who would stand before him one day thinking that they were going to get into heaven. They thought, we did all these things in your name. We've, we, did, we did great works. And Jesus says to them in verse 23, he says, And then will I declare to them, I never what knew you. Depart from me you workers of lawlessness or iniquity. It bears repeating that Christianity isn't a religion, it's a relationship. Salvation isn't attained by what you know, it's in who you know. You're not a Christian because of who you are, but because of whose you are. And so it's not about the works in your life that brings you the salvation. It's the one who's already done the work on your behalf. So furthermore, true sheep look to the shepherd. Jesus went on to say in verse 27, and they follow me. So if there's not a following of Jesus Christ... Maybe you know him in your mind, uh, you know about him, uh, but there's no following in your heart and in your life, then that is a serious doubt about your relationship with Jesus Christ that you need uh, to get settled. Uh, and so when he says, and they follow me, that is, if you truly belong to the Lord Jesus Christ, there is going to be an outward proof of your inward faith. And that's why I always add that little caveat to it, once saved, always saved, if you were truly saved to start with. And so understand this, sheep don't live like goats. They live like sheep. And one of the reasons why people get confused about eternal security is because they look at people who with their lips call themselves Christians, but they don't live anything like a Christian. And they think that eternal security then is just some cheap form of, of, of some kind of eternal fire insurance, if you will. I've got my salvation. I can live whatever way that I want to. Paul tells us, no, heaven forbid. And so let me make it plain again. Not everyone who says they are a sheep, not everyone who says they are a Christian is a Christian. Not everyone who says they are saved is saved. There have been many people who, who've walked down an aisle, they filled out a card, they got in the baptistry, and they were never heard from again. You might call them an Alka-Seltzer Christian. You drop them in some water, they fizzle for a little while, and then they disappear. We've all known people who've come to church, they've gotten baptized, maybe sang in the choir, maybe went to Sunday school, but now you can't find them. And if you do... Uh, they're either making some excuse for why they don't come to church anymore, why Jesus isn't important to them anymore, or they just don't believe in Je no longer believe in Jesus. And, and there's a saying about those kind of people that used to be said years ago, the faith that fizzles at the finish was faulty from the first. In other words, if you have it, you never lose it. And if you lose it, you never had it to start with. 1 John chapter 2, verse 19 says this. It says this about those who, who, who were amongst the group of believers, amongst the church, and it says they went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. But they went out that it might become plain that they all are not of us. So what we notice here as we use Jesus' illustration here is that a sheep 
can't turn into a goat. A horse can't turn into a cow. A dog can't turn into a yellow jacket. And the child of God can never turn into a child of Satan. The second question you need to ask yourself is this. Are you a safe sheep? Because that's what verse 28 addresses. Notice what Jesus says in verse 28. He says, I give them eternal life and they will never perish and no one will snatch them out of my hand. So Jesus says, and I give them eternal life. Now, the next statement I'm going to tell you is crucially important to understand the entirety of the truth of eternal security. Eternal security does not depend on what you do for God. It depends on what God has done for you. Eternal life is not some prize that you achieve. It's the gift you receive. So think about it in this way. If eternal life isn't earned by being good, then it cannot be lost by being bad. I mean, the same way that you're saved is the same way you're safe. And so how were you saved? The Bible tells us very plainly, very clearly, we are saved by grace. How are you made safe then? You are safe by grace. The same way you get into the family of God is the same way you stay in the family of God, and it's all by the grace of God. But notice that eternal life is something that is given now. Notice what Jesus didn't say. Jesus didn't say, I will give them out in the future. I will give them eternal life. He says, I give them. That means now. I give them eternal life now. Eternal life isn't something you get when you die. It's something you have when you believe in Jesus Christ. It's not something that you're going to get in the sweet by and by. It's something you already have right now here in the now and now. And so Jesus said in John chapter 3 and verse 36, he said, whoever believes in the Son has right now in the present eternal life. Also take note that it's eternal life. You know that word eternal means forever. So if you were saved today, but five years later you lost your salvation, if that was possible, then you didn't have eternal life. You had five-year life. Jesus didn't promise us five-year life. He didn't promise us 10-year life or 100-year life or 1,000-year life. He promised us eternal life. One of the great verses in the Bible concerning this subject is in Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 14 that says, For by a single offering he has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. When you're saved, when you're sanctified, when you're set apart by God to be in his family, what does that verse say how long it's for? For all time. For all time. If you've ever, uh, think about this, you've ever bought anything expensive, uh, like a new car, a, a house, or uh, a, a TV, they're always offering you warranties, uh, extra warranties, extended warranties on those things. They come with some warranty, but, uh, you know, there are, there are five words that can make you frustrated beyond measure, and those are the words the warranty has run out. Now, sometimes you get those fake calls that tells you, oh, your warranty's run out and you need to renew your warranty. And I'm thinking, I never had such a product <laughs> for my warranty to run out for some of the things they call me about or, or message me about. But I've got good news for you. When you give your life to Jesus Christ, he puts it under the warranty of God and his warranty never runs out. That's why Jesus goes on to say in verse 28, and they will never perish. Now, he didn't say they would never backslide. So as a Christian, a Christian may stumble, they may slide, they may stagger, they may trip up occasionally, and they will sin sometimes, but they will never lose their salvation because of it. So as a believer, if you fall, if you stumble, if you slide, if you backslide, if you stagger, if you trip up into sin... Uh, that doesn't mean that you can continue in that sin. 
If you are truly a Christian, then there will be conviction in your heart that what you did was wrong. Let me say this clearly. If there is no conviction, where's the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit's not in the heart if there is no conviction of your sin and you need to begin at the beginning and get your heart right with God to surrender to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. But if you know Christ, when you sin, there ought to be that conviction of your sin. Now, when that conviction comes, sometimes because we are, we are drifting farther and farther away into sin, sometimes it may take a little while uh, before we begin to realize that and we begin to come back uh, to the Lord. But the point is this, you can uh, be out of fellowship with God and not out of the family of God. So once you get into his family, once you become his child, you may fall down in the house, but you can never fall out of the house. In other words, if you are a child, think about this. I, I, my parents were Darlene and James Norman. There is nothing in this world I could ever undo to, to make my mom and my dad not be my biological mom and dad. That, that is just the fact. It's the same way in our relationship with Jesus Christ. If I have truly surrendered to the Lordship of Jesus Christ, there is uh, that, that outward expression of what's happened in my life. I'm living that in my life that give, gives evidence of my faith in Christ. There is nothing that can undo you being a child of God. And so, incidentally, when you look at this passage in verse 28... In the Greek language, there are actually four words that make up this one English word, never. One of those words means not at all. The next word means place, time, or purpose. The next word means male or female. And the next word means perpetually and eternally. All that's been combined into just say never. But when you put all those words together... What Jesus is really saying is this, I give unto them eternal life and they shall not at all in any place, at any time, for any purpose, whether they are male or female, perpetually and eternally ever perish. I don't know about you, but that sounds pretty safe to me. Thirdly, another question you need to ask yourself is are you a secure sheep? Are you a secure sheep? Jesus talks about our security in verse 29. <clears throat> in verse 29, he says, My Father, think about this, My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hands. So uh, you can be safe without being secure. I mean, think about it. Suppose you were in a cabin in the woods and a bear's trying to break down the front door. And for the time being, you're safe. But just suppose in that door a crack begins to emerge in the wood. And with every thrust of those giant paws on that door, the crack widens even more. And even though it may take that bear a while and you're safe temporarily, you're really not secure. Well, here's the point. No Christian should ever feel insecure because they can never become unsecure. <clears throat> You're not only a safe sheep, but Jesus proves the point that you're a secure sheep. He tells us that we are actually in a double grip. We have a double wall, if you will, of security surrounding us. He says there in verse 28, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. So the Father has given us, if you're truly a Christian, he has given you to the Lord Jesus Christ. And Jesus says, if you are truly a Christian, you are in my hand. And there is nothing that can snatch you out of my hand. But just to be doubly sure, he says this in verse 29. My Father who has given, to them, given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. 
So Jesus' hand is in the Father's hand, even more secure than I can wrap my hands around my hands. And, and he, he tells us here in verse 29 that no one can snatch him out of the Father's hand. So he, what he tells us is, is that we're in his grip and we are in the Father's grip. You, and, and he's in the Father's grip. You see, your security isn't based on you holding on to God. Your security is based on his holding on to you. Now, do you know what that means? That means that you're only as secure as God is. Uh, I've thought about this illustration that mountain climbing, it, mountain climbing is, an ama is amazing because there are men and there are women who can climb up sheer vertical faces of rock uh, that are literally 90 degree, at 90 degree angles to the earth. And it's interesting that they're totally dependent in their climbing uh, uh, on a little anchor called a pitan. Uh, th these mountain climbers, they find a crack in the wall face of that mountain, and they drive that pitan, that pitan uh, into the rock. They run a rope through the eye of it. They put a snap link on it, and they pass that safety rope through their belt. And then as they begin to climb, what they know is, is that they'll never fall below that point. Now, they may fall, but the pitan catches them, and they can never fall any further than that anchor in that rock will hold them. And so let me tell you this, that as a child of God, your anchor is in the hand of our Heavenly Father. That anchor is attached to the rock of ages named Jesus Christ. And with that kind of security, nobody who's a Christian, who's truly a Christian, can ever fall. That's why Jesus went on to say, my Father who has given them to me, what? Is greater than all. Remember that salvation is God's gift to you. But did you know that as a child of God, you're God's gift to Jesus? Jesus said that God would never take us back after giving us to him. He said in John chapter 6 and verse 37, all that the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me, I will never cast out. But he went on to say in verse 39 of John 6, he says, And this is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose nothing of all that he has given me, but raise it up on the last day. Now think about this. Back in those days, a shepherd who would embark on a long journey with a flock of sheep was considered successful if he arrived with more than 50% of his sheep. If you got there with more than 50%, that was a good trip. Because the reason for it was because of the dangers to sheep that were so incredible. I mean, not only were there wolves and things like that, wild animals you had to watch out for, there were other dangers to the sheep. There was disease. There was poison grass. There were floods. And then also those wild animals that were just a few of the things that could kill sheep on a long trip. But Jesus Christ is no ordinary shepherd. He is the great shepherd, as we said this morning. He is the good shepherd, and he is the chief shepherd. And he made a promise. If he starts out with 100 sheep, he's going to show up with 100 sheep. There's not a one of them that's going to be lost. You see, the very, and, and the reason is this, and this is the crucial part about the, 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 the security of our salvation. The very honor of God is at stake in this entire matter of eternal security. One great Bible scholar put it this way. He said, if any of God's sheep were to perish, it would necessarily entail a defeated father, a disappointed son, and a disgraced spirit. So I tell you a practical reason why I believe every Christian should be sure of their eternal security. If you're worrying about whether or not you're saved or whether or not you can lose your salvation, you're not going to have an inward peace in your life, and you're also not going to be outwardly productive as a part of God's kingdom, at least as you should be or could have been. And so it's a matter that you must get settled. If you're having doubts about, the, about your eternal security in Jesus Christ, you're having doubts whether you're saved or not, you need to get that settled immediately.
one last illustration. One of the great sights to see when you go to San Francisco, we went to California this last summer, didn't get to get to San Francisco, but uh, one of the great sights there to see is the Golden, great, Golden Gate Bridge. If you remember how that was built, it was built in 1937. At that time, it was the world's longest suspension bridge. At that time, the entire project cost the United States government $77 million. During the process, you maybe remember some of your history or studying about it, during the process of constructing the first section, just the first section of the bridge, there were very few safety devices that were used. And 23 deaths occurred as workers fell helplessly uh, from uh, the, 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 the poles there and, and all of that work that they were doing building that bridge, they fell helplessly uh, into the water below. Well, the toll was so significant and the work was going so slowly that something had to be done before the second section was built. So they came up with this ingenious plan. The largest safety net in the world is what they built, which was at that time alone cost $100,000. It was made out of huge uh, manila cords uh, stretched out beneath those working crews. And it proved to be one of the best investments they made uh, in view of the fact that it saved the lives of at least 10 men who fell into that net without injury. But more than that, after the bridge was completed, they discovered that after they put in that safety net, the work went 25% faster because the workers were relieved from the fear of falling to their death. Here's the point for us. God has a worldwide webbed net that expands this entire earth. And no matter where his children live, he has stretched out beneath us his everlasting arms. And as a result, we can live and move free, work freely and fearlessly knowing that once we're saved, we're always saved. And that issue ought never to hinder our work in the gospel. If you have doubts about your salvation, if you have still ongoing questions and issues with your eternal security, it is going to hinder your work for the Lord. You're not going to have that peace. There's not going to be that outward production in your life of doing what God wants you to do because you're spending so much time on this issue. Get this issue settled in your heart and in your life. Do you truly know Jesus as your Lord and Savior? If you've never truly surrendered to him, if, there's, if it was just with the lips but not with the heart, then you need to surrender your life to him tonight. You need to come to the place of salvation, to the place of repentance for salvation. But if you're here tonight as a believer and you know you have that secure but there's still some doubts there and you're honestly seeking uh, to, to, to nail all of that down, ask yourself those questions uh, that we went over. Are you a safe sheep? Are you a safe sheep? Are you a secure sheep? And make sure that you can answer each one of those with a resounding yes, knowing that your salvation is not in your hands, it's in the work of Jesus Christ that you're surrendering to and receiving and accepting as a free gift of grace. You are in the hands of Jesus and he is in the hands of the Father and nothing, nothing can pluck you out. So be bold, be faithful in your work for the Lord. Not doubting, not wavering. For a person who's doubting and who's wavering, their mind is double-minded. Make sure you get this issue settled. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much. Lord, this is an issue that people have discussed for generations upon generations, and yet people still struggle with this issue. One of the reasons I believe we struggle with it, Lord, is because we're not listening to you. We're not listening to what does your word say. 
Uh, Lord, we are bringing questions of, of doubt many times that are coming from the devil who's trying to make us doubt about our salvation. And, and then other times that we're, we're bringing questions uh, to the table uh, that are not focused on you and what your word says. They're focused on our feelings and I don't feel maybe like I'm saved. And Father, I pray that you would help us to always come back with our salvation to the facts of the Word of God. That the Word of God says that if I believe in my heart and I confess with my lips Jesus as Lord, that means that I surrender to His Lordship, then the Bible says that I'm saved. It says, for with the mouth confession is made unto salvation, and with the heart we believe. And so, Father, I pray tonight that we would make sure that our salvation is a matter of the heart, not a matter of the head, not a matter of just the lips. Father, I pray that as we look at others, as we see others around us, Lord, who we just don't see that fruit in their lives, Lord, may we just simply begin to pray for them first. Lord, I pray that we would uplift them in our hearts, Lord, that if they truly are a Christian, maybe they profess it with their lips, but their lifestyle is far from it. Father, I pray that you would uh, just impress us and prompt us in our hearts to pray for those individuals. Because whether they're saved or whether they're lost, that's what we need to be doing anyway. And so, Father, I pray that as we begin to pray for them, may you give us wisdom, may you give us discernment about words and encouragement that we may share with them. And, and Father, knowing that salvation is a work of the Holy Spirit, Lord, let us trust that into your hands. Let us share the things you lay upon our hearts to share, the things you show us from your word. And Father, I pray that you will use that, that if that person is saved, they will be convicted by the Holy Spirit of their sin and, and come in repentance back to Jesus Christ. But Lord, if they don't know Jesus as our Lord and Savior, may they still come in repentance. May they still come in repentance to receive Jesus as their Lord and Savior. So Father, I pray that you will do a work in our hearts. If we're here tonight and we're struggling with this issue about once saved, always saved, Father, I pray that you will help us to get it nailed down in our hearts, that you might help us to be boldly living for you, not being uh, so caught up in, in, in that issue that it hinders us from doing the work that you've called us to do. So, Father, bless us. I pray for anybody who's watching online and hearing this message, Lord, that you would use this to touch their hearts even tonight. Lord, bless this word, and whatever needs to be done in this invitation, may those come who need to come. And, Father, those who are there online, may they come to you in prayer right there where they are, wherever they may be, and may you use this in a powerful way in their lives. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Brother Mike, come and lead us in our hymn of invitation. 316. Jesus is tenderly calling thee home, calling today, calling today. Why from the sunshine of love wilt thou roam farther and farther away? Calling today, calling today, Jesus is calling, is tenderly calling today. Jesus is calling the weary to rest, calling today, calling today. Bring him thy burden, and thou wilt be blessed. He will not turn thee away. Calling today, calling today. Jesus is calling, is tenderly calling today. Amen. Just want to remind you, we won't be having Awana uh, this Wednesday night, but we will be having uh, our regular prayer meeting and Bible study. We'll be back in the book of Revelation. That'll be at 6 o'clock. 
uh, Wednesday evening. Uh, we will be having choir practice right after, so if you're part of our choir, be sure to come. If you want to come and join us for our Christmas music, uh, this will be a great time. We're just uh, barely getting started into listening to those uh, pieces of music, so come and join us on Wednesday night for that, and then we'll see you back again also next Sunday uh, for our services. But you stay safe, have a good week, and may God bless you.